Welcome back to the Mail Right Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we're extraordinarily excited. We have um, an incredible guest uh, this afternoon. So I'm going to just read the title of this guest. It's Scott Agnew, who is the CEO and operating partner at Keller Williams Realty, East Valley, Tempe, Arizona, Park City, Utah, and KW, Utah region. Leadership and motivational training, agent business coaching, and life advancement. And the man has a list of achievements in a warm longer than my arm. So if you want to highlight any of those, Scott, feel free to do so. But but that was my introduction. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Well, sure. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and I'm glad I'm able to, you know, talk with you guys a little bit about myself. I don't talk about myself very often. So it's kind of almost a little bit uncomfortable at times. But <laughs> I tell you what, I guess if you could summarize it, no, nobody, especially myself, would ever have believed I'd would accomplish what I've accomplished, but I owe it a lot. I owe so much of it to the the amazing, you know, leadership that I've been able to learn from over the years, you know, with people like Gary Keller, of course, Mo Anderson, you know, a guy named Robert Kalinsky, Bob Kalinsky, a good friend, David Osborne, Linda and Jim McKissick, Bev, Beverly Steiner. I mean, there's just a long litany of people that have helped contribute to the overall success of this company. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty honored to be part of it. Beautiful. And John, for anybody that might not already know who you are, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, thanks, Rob. I'm the co-founder of mail-right.com. We build beautiful real estate websites on WordPress, and we have a suite of marketing <laughs> tools that will help the agent get some great digital deeds. Back over to you, Rob. <laughs> and and honestly, I don't usually actually introduce myself, but Scott, I don't think you know who I am. So I will tell introduce myself to you as opposed to the audience. So I'm uh, I'm an SEO guy who's been specializing in residential real estate for 14 years. And as far as I know, I might very well be the most experienced uh, real estate residential SEO consultant founder that exists. I have a marketing company that I founded called inboundrem.com. You can see it right behind me. And uh, I educate agents, uh, lots of them, tons of them, but for free. I do inbound marketing style content where I, I give them the free digital tips and advice that they need to rank in Google My Business, change their mindset as it relates to inbound marketing and real estate and, and, a, and a whole bevy of other things. So that's who I am. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, for the first part of the show, we are really excited to talk to Scott because Scott, after all these years in real estate, you decided, I mean, I'm guessing that you decided to put your knowledge down in book form and you wrote a book called The Top 10 Mistakes That Prevent You From Being a Long-Term Leader. Um, before you tell us about the book itself, might you tell us why after all these years you decided to write a, and especially a guy who just self-identified you don't like to promote yourself so or you don't like talking about yourself so why why write a book sure well it was during the pandemic and i didn't have anything else to do because i was grounded i couldn't travel <laughs> so you know just by virtue of you know having extra time on my hands um i got this uh i joined a uh uh, group um, of entrepreneurs, and I found one thing in common between all these amazing, successful, what I call fulfilled entrepreneurs in a in a in a network that I joined called Genius Network. And I saw so many 
human beings that were not thinking about their own profits or their own success or their own fulfillment, but rather they're more focused on what they can do to help other people achieve what they've achieved and kind of what's in it for them uh, type of attitude. In fact, the founder of the network just wrote a book and I'm going to promote it because it's an incredible book. It's called What's in it for them. Um, You've heard of the book called, um, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Well, this book is about how to win the right friends and influence the right people. And uh, based on some of what I've learned from the gentleman, Joe Polish, that wrote that book, I decided and I was inspired to write my own book. And the the main theme uh, around leadership, I wanted to take a much different approach. That approach was more about how to interact as a long-term leader in the moment rather than focusing on the on all the hard skills, the tools, the objectives, you know, the plans and all those kinds of things. One of the things I have learned over the years, almost a plan almost never gets executed the way you write the plan. And so you're always, you know, pivoting, you're always making adjustments. You might even scrap a strategy and have to go back to your team and say, we're not going to do that, you know. (laughs) And so long-term leadership is about how you do that so that your team doesn't, you know, put a noose around your neck or (laughs) walk out the room, right? Right. (laughs) So those are are some key elements of being in this, in the game for a long, you know, for the long term. Um, So that leads me to another question. And then I'm going to hand one over to John. Um, I'm curious. You are a man that that appears to be, from everything I can see, at the eight, like at the high side of your career. So you are also talking about having joined a networking group at while you're at the top of that that mountain, and saying I'm going to join a group of like-minded individuals. How important has like mentorship been throughout? The, the, the entirety of your, you've now twice mentioned it in the first part and now here. So how important has mentorship been to you and in, inside your career, would you say? It's been incredibly important. It's probably been the, the, the main contributor to helping me, you know, keep my head on straight, stay focused, and more importantly, help me get in touch with the things that I really want and, you know, get, help me get in touch with the human being that I want to be. Um, I, you know, when I was, my father passed away when I was eight years old. Uh, The book says I was 10, but the truth is it's eight. And, um, you know, I grew up without, you know, somebody to kick me in the butt, somebody to hold me accountable, somebody to challenge me, somebody to, you know, you know what dads do. Well, I didn't have, I didn't really have that, but I had many figures in my life that, you know, filled that role for me. And, uh, you know, starting all the way back to little league, you know, and, Mr. Freegy, who was my first coach. And then in high school after that, Mr. Fulton, who was my basketball coach. And, you know, these gentlemen helped shape my work ethic and helped me understand what was, you know, uh, you know, there were times when I thought I was, you know, a, a four on a scale of one to 10. And they would say, no, Agnew, you're an eight or a nine, you know, and they, they helped me be more realistic about my, you know, what I was actually achieving because I never really felt like I was good enough. You know, I was one of the, that's part of the reason I think people become entrepreneurs. They've got something inside them that they need to prove. And, uh, and so mentorship has played a huge role in helping me get comfortable, you know, with who I am. It helped me write the book. I mean, that's, 
crazy, right? Writing a book on leadership. How many, there's been thousands of books written about leadership. And yet I wanted to write something that I thought was different um, about the how of leadership, not the what. And so the soft skills, I think, are, um, you know, were incredibly important to me because I was taught by mentors. I was given a lot of mentorship. Jack, Dr. Jack Vandewoude helped me. And of course, one of the, you know, premier people that helped me was Gary Keller. Um, he, he, he's the guy that taught me how to not write scathing emails to people. <laughs> hey, you need to teach John that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm totally, everybody, that was a total joke. All right, John, uh, take it away, sir. I'm, I'm so hurt, Robert. I, I really am so hurt. I, 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 it's been a rough year and you're just finishing it off so well, Rob. There we go. Um, Scott, Scott um, from all the things that you probably cover in the book, what would be one that comes straight into your mind here and now that you would like somebody to learn from the book? after reading it yeah well i think the message of the book is is very is very basic it's very simple and that is how do you increase your potency as a leader and what i mean by potency is when you make a suggestion or when you give some guidance or when you offer some perspective how do you get your people in a place where they're anxious to hear what you have to say as a leader I had a wonderful coach uh, many years ago who taught me this, he, and, and it, it made sense to me. He said, in most accountability sessions or, you know, reviews or, you know, quarterly summaries, you know, when you're having those kinds of meetings with your, you know, with your, your team, and in my case, leadership team, because everybody that reports to me, they're all leaders in their own right. He says, he's told me, he said, 99% of the time, those meetings leave people feeling worse <laughs> than when they came into the meeting. And it made sense to me because, yes, I, it, and, and why did it feel worse? A lot of times you feel worse because you just feel like you're not doing enough. You know, and that's when you go home and you start, you know, kicking the dog and your, your kids, your kids aren't good enough and your wife isn't supporting you enough because you've just come, you've just come out of this interaction that, you know, you feel like, gosh, there's so much more that I can do. And what it, it creates anxiety and it creates um, stress. And as a leader, it's important not to have that kind of anxiety and not to have that stress and certainly not to let that bleed into your interactions with your with your leaders because it it flows downhill, right? It Whatever you start, it will continue to pay itself forward. So it's more about it's more about being inquisitive. And instead of being as a leader, being in a directive mode, I'm going to use this word, being it being a requestive mode. One of the one of the superpowers of Gary Keller is all he does is ask great questions. And he's there to learn. And as a leader, I'm there to learn. And what am I there to learn? I'm there to learn my my what my people are feeling, what their what their what their obstacles are, what their challenges are. And I'm also there to learn what their real victories are. What are they really proud of? They might be proud of something that isn't part of my objective plan or their objective plan, but they're proud of a win or they're proud of how they move the ball forward. And it might seem small, but to them it could be big enough to actually fulfill them and give them a motivation to 
really go out there and bust their tail at the end of the day because they they realize that you know they're cared for as human beings not just for what you know they can accomplish and i think in business today especially today you've got you know you've got a scenario where the typical younger leader if you will they they're 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 more they're more wired around the emotional and you know a psychological side of the business than they are around the competitive side of the business and so competition versus collaboration is something I talk about in the book. It's a very interesting topic to me. Hmm. That's yeah, I can, well, it's a bit of a balance, isn't it? Depending on personality style, isn't it? You know, some people, they're, especially on the sales side, they're, they're really driven by the competitive element in office or a scenario where other types, it kind of, it's something they can in some ways be just as effective in sales, but they've got a very different style and they don't particularly like that competitive side. <laughs> Would you agree with that or do you think I'm off track? Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at your top, when you look at the top productive agents in real estate, they're task driven. We call them taskers. They, you know, they do one thing, they accomplish one thing. They take about one second to enjoy their accomplishment and they're ready to accomplish the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And they achieve at a very high level. They're the they're the type of folks that, you know, they're in the top two, three percent and they do, you know, 50 percent of the business. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the way it is in sport, professional ath- athletics. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's probably not that way in politics. We can't even find a one or two percent in politics these days. But if you really look, if you really look at um, the difference in how they're motivated, that that level of agent is low, motivated by challenge. They want to be challenged. They want to be called out on their, you know, imperfections. They want to. They 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 just have super high expectations for themselves. They have high expectations for others around them. And, you know, this is one of the this my book is ideal for this kind of uh, achiever because the, the challenge that those top one, two and three percenters have is that while they make a tremendous amount of cash flow uh, revenue, um, they tend to suffer quite a bit. And the, the suffering comes from having high turnover on their team. And so they're constantly retraining, they're rehiring. And it feels to them, I think, in many cases, somewhat like a hamster wheel, right? The more they do, the more they've got to take care of everything. And, and they, 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 don't, they don't have a sense of who they can, you know, bring into their business that can actually, could actually replace them, you know, so that they could, they could still own a majority interest of the business and have a life. Um, this is the kind of stuff I talk about in my book, because anybody that has the will to build a you know, big real estate business or any big business. The challenge they have is, you know, to be able to change their mindset and be able to enjoy it and be able to let other people have opportunities inside, you know, their business and then open the door for them to do it and do it in a way where people trust each other and do it in a way where people get great results without a lot of friction or anxiety. Because after all, I mean, you know, you can only go to so many restaurants, you can only buy so many pairs of shorts and have so many cars and so many homes and all that. What's left after that? 
after that is, you know, you want to have a life <laughs> and you want to have something that you can, you know, you can enjoy. You want to have a, maybe you want to have a family, you know, and enjoy your family. So that's, that's why leadership is so important because it gives you great leverage over your business. That's fantastic. Over to you, Robert. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Scott, we're going to go for a break. Um, we're going to, when we come back, Scott, we're going to, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about three, if, if so, talking to the world at large, our audience is 100% real estate professionals. Uh, so, what would you want the top three things that you'd want to point out to somebody about maybe um, the top three like lesson deliverables you feel like your book might be able to help somebody with? Let's let's call it that. Like what are the top three lessons that you might learn from your book? When we come back from break, I'm going to ask you to serve those up. And then uh, if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask some questions about Keller Williams. Great. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for staying tuned. As always, do us a favor, please, and give us a like wherever you're watching this video, whether that be YouTube or your favorite podcasting service. We would really appreciate it. Leave us a comment. Uh, John and I always read them and always appreciate them. We will be right back. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mail Right Podcast. John and I have done this, well, not me, but I we've done this 365 times in total, which is crazy. So it's episode number 365, and today we're here with Scott Agnew, who uh, is many things. But uh, what we're talking about today, in at least part, is uh, his book, The Top 10 Mistakes That Prevent You From Being a Long-Term Leader. And then uh, we're going to spend a much smaller part of the podcast talking about uh, what made him qualified to write the book in the first place, which is experiences at Keller Williams. So without any further ado, before we went to break, I said I asked the question of if you were talking to somebody who's never read the book and maybe doesn't even know who Scott Agnew is, what are the top three lesson type deliverables that you feel somebody might be able to pull from the book? Should they read it? Well, there's really just one message, right? And yes, there are some lessons in there, but the one message is, you know, really communicate, communicate with your people. Most people think they're great communicators. However, when you talk to a lot of people and you ask them, you ask them, uh, hey, do you think your boss gets you? Do you think your boss understands you? Or do you think your mom and dad understand you if they're a teenager, right? Or, you know, you when you ask that question on the other side, most people don't feel heard. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel understood. And in fact, many really powerful relationships between between colleagues and even between, you know, uh, people that have, end up getting married. One of the common things that you'll hear is, well, they get me. They understand me. They know where I'm coming from. Before I even speak, they finish my sentences for me because they're actually, you know, because they're honestly listening. And so that's the real message is when your people have that, when you have that relationship with your people and they know that, you know, you get them, um, then the, the walls come down. And when the walls come down, then you start learning what you need to learn as a leader. You learn, you learn the, the, what's going on in the front lines. I mean, I can't tell you how many meetings I was in as a young 
professional where, you know, we would all get after the meeting, we'd go, God, they don't know what they're doing. You know, upper management doesn't know what's going on. Gosh, they'd have no idea what it's like out there on the streets, you know, and all blah, blah, blah. And that's because the, 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 the model for leadership then was the leader got up and had to be the smartest guy in the room and pontificate for an hour about what everybody needed to do, what their objectives ought to be, what their plans ought to be, and how they ought to execute. Well, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> if you really want a team to be bought in, part of the execution, part of the plan has to be from them. And it has to be, you know, well thought through. And most of the time, you know, you see leaders make decisions and they don't even think about the unintended consequences of their decisions. And uh, that's I would say that's probably one of my superpowers is, you know, is look at all the look at all the different angles. Put yourself in the other guy's shoes when you're talking to him. What are their fears? What are their aspirations? What is their as as Jonathan say, what is their communication style? And put yourself in their shoes so that you can communicate on the same wavelength. And, you know, it's like FM 101 versus FM 95, you know, get on the same frequency. And then your potency as a leader is so dramatically um, increased that you, you know, it's almost like you hit the beautiful notes instead of just singing loudly, if you will. Okay. I was... um... That was beautiful. I have a follow up question, John. But before I do, do you have anything that you? No, okay. go forward. I thought it was a fantastic okay. answer, Scott. Honestly, so do I. And and the question that I have is: anytime somebody's written a book, and I've done the same. So, but but I feel like there's this long road that leads you up to a point where you feel like you have something to say that you're going to put down in a book, right? It's long road. So I'm going to kind of try to touch a couple of what might be milestones upon that long road for you, which would be, my questions would be, so you're, you're in charge of the, or you're a leader within this very large territory for Keller Williams. Is that, do I understand that basically? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So if you had to guess how many people ostensibly are you responsible for leading or talking or coaching or whatever the right language is for that? So <clears throat> that's one of the, that's one of the tricks to, that's one of the mistakes leaders make is they think they have to lead everybody. Mm-hmm. And really you don't, what you've got to do is you've got to lead five to 10 key people and then they lead everybody else. And so we have a saying, you know, success through your best and brightest, right? Success mm-hmm. through them. And those five to 10 people might change over the years. You might have different people that come in and out of that. But that's one of the things I'm very careful to do. And that is that I I lead to my, what I call my span of influence, direct influence and direct potency. So I don't try to lead everybody. I let my leaders, there are people in Keller Williams in Utah that don't know who I am. They don't they, don't, they might know my name, but they don't, they might not even associate with me at all. And that's completely okay. I don't, I don't, my goal or my objective is not to, to know everybody and be the center of attention or be their hero. My goal is to make sure that I'm creating an environment where they can absolutely thrive. And if I create, if I get the right people in place and I give them the right, you know, uh, support, 
you know, through uh, direction, through, um, you know, effective questioning, through great consulting, through making sure they get the right training and have the right tools. If I support them, then I know they'll go out and, and pay it forward into their environment. And so that's how we've grown. We're number we're number one in Utah. We have number one market share, number one agent count, number one production level. And we are not a discount brokerage. We are a full service brokerage, which means that we are not the cheapest. <laughs> right. and, and that being said, you know, it's kind of, I'm pretty proud of the fact that while we don't go in cheaply, we don't, you know, but we do go in with tremendous value. We kind of position ourselves in a way as the Costco, if you will. Brand name, you know, great quality, but at a very, very competitive price. And um, so I'm pretty proud of that. And, you know, and we've, you know, when I started there, we, you know, uh, I took over a failing brokerage that had 21 agents. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we have a, a almost close to 1,700 agents in Utah. And so, uh, and I didn't do that by myself. I did that through getting in business with some amazing, incredible people. Um, you know, I could start naming names, but the problem is I'll probably forget somebody. But they they're, they were incredible. Yeah, beautiful. And that I think that answers my question in a in a it, and I I appreciate it like um, that. But let me just make sure that I do understand. So. When you, how long ago was starting? You said the word start. So when I started, how long ago was that? Well, it was actually in 2001. That was when I first went up there. And I didn't really get a strong foothold till about 2002. Took me about a year um, of interviewing different, you know, I I went to different, um, you know, vendors. uh, And my question was, who do you know that's quite influential in real estate? And I just kept getting, you know, and what happened was I would get the same name over and over again, you know, from different from different places. And so then I made appointments with those people. And um, I remember the first meeting I had with one of my most successful legendary leaders in Utah of all time. Her name is Lee Stern. Anybody in real estate in Utah knows that name. name. And uh I was fortunate enough to have an appointment with her and she sat down with me and she says, okay, Sonny, you got 10 minutes. What do you got? (laughs) And uh, three hours later, right. When our discussion finally ended, um, you know, I made some promises and commitments to her. And, um, you know, I think if you would, you know, talk to her today, I think she would say that I lived up to every one of those promises and commitments, which was, kind of tough at the time because at the time I promised being the entrepreneur that I am, right? I wasn't even sure I could deliver on a couple of things that I promised, but I got in, got in over my skis a little bit, but, uh, you know, and I had to come up with some money and capital that I didn't really have, you know, all those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would just say that, you know, if, if anything of great significance, the only way you're going to accomplish it is if you you know, find a way to, 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 to get with and be part of other people's vision too. And, 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 and buy into what, you know, what they want. And so often our visions are so aligned anyway, you know, so it doesn't have to come from the leader. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room and I'm certainly not. And I don't want to be, I'd much rather be surrounded by people that are just excited and committed. And, 
you know, sometimes it's for a cause. I mean, and with Lee, in Lee's case, uh, she was an absolute advocate for the welfare of her real estate agents. She thought of them as her family and, you know, like her kids almost. And she wanted to do everything she possibly could to set the stage for them to be successful and fulfilled. And that's my kind of person, you know. And not only did she have that rhetoric or that talk, but she had a track record to, to, you know, to demonstrate that that's what she actually could accomplish. And so I was very, very, uh, to this day, I'm just so blessed that Lee and I were able to um, find each other and do what we did. So, Holy cow. That is, that is a piece, the kind of gold that I look for when we do these podcasts. And I, I deeply appreciate it. Uh, I've only got 14 years behind me in the industry, but I have had the chance to work with legendary names like Joyce Ray and people like that. And so you become part of the fabric, like the story of the industry that you're within. Um, Jeffrey Highland, who has unfortunately passed, um, you know, people, uh, you meet them. And I have always found that once you meet them, who they are is not ever who you thought they were going to be. Like nobody ever prepared me for the fact that Jeffrey Highland was literally probably one of the smartest, most well-educated building historians and architectural historians that has ever, that to my knowledge, has ever worked in the real estate industry. I've never met anybody with the depth and breadth of knowledge that he had. So when you meet with him, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to meet with this extraordinary sales guy, right? That's what you've got in your head, the founder of Hilton and Highland. And then you meet this guy who's just like a professor yeah. of, of yeah. Yep. this thing. And you're like, holy mm -hmm. cow, like that's not what I like, not what I'm expecting. What you said about Lee Stern, I don't know her, but I know her by, I know the repute and mm -hmm. I've never met her, never met her team, but I have heard through the grapevine, through Keller Williams. I've heard that name before. doesn't surprise me that she'd be like mama bear as it, yeah. as it relates to her agents. Mm -hmm. um, Scott, so John and I usually ask our guests if they, uh, I pushed off the questions I have about Keller Williams. She's been providing so much great information, but I would love to do, if you're willing, 10 minutes of a little bonus section and just, I'm going to let John serve up the first question, which we talked about before the podcast, but I'd kind of like to, Tee it up for the audience if you're willing to give us the extra time to say we would like to ask your opinion about like how Keller Williams is positioned moving into the future, things like that. It's like from more of a tech and marketing standpoint, which is what our show tends to be about. Is that is that okay with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. John, do you have anything? Uh, well, we're going to go to the final break and move everybody over to the YouTube channel. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it. Um, how would you like people to look you up? Like if somebody wants to research you, wants to research your book, Scott, how would you like them to do that? The easiest way they can email me at scotta at kw.com and then I can get them a direct link to check out the book. Um, or if they don't want to email me, they can just go on to longtermleader.com. Very easy to remember. Uh, so either way, scotta at kw.com or longtermleader.com. Actually, um I haven't done this before, actually, but I think Scott is such a fascinating. We just extend the podcast show, Robert, for another okay. ten. We just extend it, right? Okay, so we won't do we won't do these at the outro yet. Beautiful, great. So, John, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you remember the 
the question that we talked about prior to the show, why don't you serve it up? Because uh, you are a little bit more graceful than I am, which literally is is a rarity. Usually it's it's opposite. But in this case, so everybody knows, I kind of got shut down and John kind of got the green light. So that's... That's, <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Good pass off. Good pass off. I like it. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Um, so, Scott... Um, What's your thought? Was you surprised about what has happened to Zillow, to uh, Open Door, and to some extent Redfin? You know, they all, to some extent, went into wholesaling. It seemed to be what they thought was going to be, especially with Redfin, going to be the future, that it was going to be a high red hybrid wholesaling landscape that was going to be the driver of their growth. Mm. Also, Zillow, obviously Open Door, that is their business model. And um, But to all extents, to say that it hasn't yeah. worked out, was you surprised or did you have a feeling that this was going to be the outcome when the market became more of more realistic, put it that way, shall I? Well, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh yeah, I, I knew that it was going to fail, but I will tell you every year as we kept looking at, analyzed the financial, <laughs> the financials of these companies and they were losing millions of dollars, you know, I mean, Gosh, another one you didn't mention is Compass. I mean, these guys have burned through seven hundred million dollars, you know, and and uh, and basically the whole you know concept of trying to either displace or to you know um, I don't know go directly to the consumer without you know having a real estate agent involved is a is a very tenuous you know uh, I can see the aspiration because they see the dollars and the money. But as far as real estate itself, man, it's a, it's an intimate business. You know, when you buy and sell real estate, when you buy and sell property, when you invest, um, you want somebody you can call and talk to and you want to be able to trust that person. I mean, I don't want to sound old school here because I totally believe that technology has its place. I mean, all of my clients look on Zillow for what their property is worth. You know, <laughs> great, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to send them the CMAs, and I don't have to do all that stuff anymore. But when it comes down to them wanting to buy or sell property, who do you think they call? They want to call somebody that knows what they're talking about, that knows you know the pitfalls and the landmines and the unforeseen challenges and problems. And you know, it's a big decision. Whether you're investing, whether you're buying real estate for yourself, whether you're, you know, in the commercial world, you, you, you know, everybody wants certainty. They want to know what landmines are around them that they need, either can avoid or walk away from. And that's where professional real estate agents play such a vital role. And all of these companies that, you know, made the attempt to displace that, I think were, I think it was just a bad strategy overall. Um, I, it was, and it was certainly a case where it was profits over, right, over uh, value in terms of the client experience. Um, you know, they, they poured tons of money into marketing where they had, you know, they got the, you know, we have a, we have a marketing company in Phoenix right now that's taken the world by storm. They're everywhere. And, you know, it turns out they have a 40% fallout rate <laughs> in their transactions, you know. They claim to have 11% of the market. They only have about 4.5% because it's all marketing. 
And, you know, so we, you know, I had an agent the other day call me up and she goes, I'm going up against this big behemoth company. What should I do? And I said, well, just tell them you do the same thing they do. You just don't misrepresent yourself about it, you know, and they don't. And she walked away with the listing and was happy and got it sold and had did a great job for the client. And the bird still chirped and the air was still clean. You know, <laughs> everything was fine. And that's that's exactly what, you know, we're, we're faced with. Uh, Wall Street, you know, a lot of big bucks behind these companies. Um, you know, the amount of venture capital that's been poured into these companies is is mind boggling. It's because they see the profitability. They see the numbers. But to access those numbers, we believe in one. We believe very strongly that the way to access that is through professional real estate agents who are fiduciary, who wake up every morning with their client's best interest at heart, who are there to serve, you know, as servant leaders, not as salespeople, who educate first and help their clients make great decisions. That's what we believe. And I think that's I think that for the long haul, I think that strategy is probably going to prove to be pretty solid. I I, I don't see it any other way. I'll copy you. you. So that's well, a small adjustment. And I am only regurgitating stuff that I've read. But I think you were actually overly generous in the amount of money that you said that was lost. I believe the number with Compass alone is actually in the billions. But right. uh, but I appreciate I as a, as another leader who is oftentimes speaking on platforms, you, it's always better and wiser to just say the least possible thing. You can't get yourself in trouble usually. So I get it, but I, I will put myself out there, not you. And I will say, I think the number is much higher than the one that you, that you gave. So having said that, I think the only John kind of skipped the question, but that's okay. We're going to leave it alone. I don't want to do, if John didn't want to do it, then I'm going to lean in on his wisdom and say, we're not going to do it. But I do want to ask one other question, which is a burning one for me. I'm asking you one Robert Newman question. I'm curious to know how you feel Keller Williams is positioned against more, and maybe this is a marketing thing, but more digitally focused real estate brokerages such as Realty One, EXP, there has been a shift, a, a, new, a newer trend that is not Compass, which was trying to do the same thing with a little bit better branding and a mobile app, in my opinion. So that's what yeah. they were trying to do, right? Yeah. But you do have a couple of companies with new ideas out there that are trying to do things in a, in a somewhat different way. And I'm and and some of those ways are almost entirely digital, virtual offices, virtual virtual yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know how you feel if you're if you if you can say no. Yeah, I'm just kind of if you're willing to weigh in and kind of say how do you think is Keller Williams is positioned against these other other digital companies and why? Yeah, sure. Well, you know the things things have a ten, things have a way of finding an equilibrium. Um, mm-hmm. EXP came out and their, their big thing was, it was two things. Number one is we have one statewide brokerage, which means if you have a team, you can market, you know, you can have identical marketing throughout the state. You don't have to have different signs, work out of different offices and all that kind of stuff. That was a, that was a point of friction that they removed for the agent, which mm-hmm. for the, you know, the top agents, the people building teams and those kind of things. And that was really a good move. <laughs> and we kind of, we kind of, you know, we kind of missed that one. A little bit. Well, we we were hearing it, but we weren't really listening. You know, mm-hmm. we were hearing it, but we weren't listening. So that was one thing that they did really well. They also 
They also came out with an opposite position on physical space, right? Their their position was we don't need to have offices, we don't need to have physical space. You know, you can work out of a, you know, a, a rented you know executive office or whatever you know whatever you want to do, and 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 um, and that seemed kind of sexy and appealing in the beginning, but you know how I say things have a way of creating equilibrium and coming back together. I mean, I have a twenty. I have a 20,000 square foot office building in uh, East Valley. Okay. In Tempe. I have a, I have a 18,000 square foot office building in Park City, Utah with uh, three satellite offices up there. And, you know, we're full. <laughs> Agents like having an office space. They like being able to walk down the hall and ask another agent a question, you know, about a transaction or get some advice or pop into a training room or, you know, get on, you know, heck, if you just maybe you just want to have a, you know, maybe a at the end of the, of the day, glass of wine with your, you know, with your fellow colleagues and you create a culture around agents being connected to each other. And that happens because it's facilitated by somebody in that physical space who's a leader mm-hmm. and that leader creates a tribe and that tribe becomes strong. And that, and, and you have, you know, you have, I have 60, 70, 80 agents in the same office. You think they're a little smarter than every single agent out there thinking on their own who are text, maybe they're only texting back and forth, or maybe the only time they get smart is when they're in a mastermind. What's it like if you had could basically have a mini mastermind every day, right? Because sure. all you have to do is walk across the hall, or you know, meet somebody in your office. Say, hey, let's go to lunch. So, I and I don't think that's the the the, the end all answer. I think you still have to have an amazing presence in the digital space, but it has to be physically enhanced. I believe. I don't believe that. I don't believe it's one or the other. I think it's it's both. And you you've seen you've seen Amazon. You've seen you know, uh, Apple isn't virtual. Apple has stores. Amazon has stores now. You, you're you're going to see that trend. I think go back to you know digital space with physical enhancement. And that Keller Williams is positioned beautifully for that. We just yeah. we you know we've got a technology you know a platform called Command that had a little bit of a rocky start when it was launched. <laughs> um, but they've, you know, we've been busting our tail for the last 18 months. And Gary Keller just flat came out and said, listen, we're not even going to talk about command until we've earned the right to. And he's poured, you know, so much resource, so many resources into this. And he has so many smart people working on it. We have two people, Matt Green and Chris Cox, who are uh, have just I mean, they have been dedicated to nothing but making command uh, completely stable, completely functional. And um, they're, you know, at the upper end, there's a small portion of upper end limitation. But for 98 percent of our agents, command is a beautiful platform and it can do everything they need it to do. So we're excited about our digital, you know, our digital future for sure. Well, I will say this. Um I so so trans, uh, I'm a transparent person. So transparency, I raised some doubts at the beginning of the show, which I'm not going to go into. Uh, but I will say that I raised some doubts, and and I, I wanted to also say, contrary to that, to you and while we're live, 
I do think that in terms of what I've seen, because I have seen command and what I've seen in the, and that's what people follow me for, Scott. You don't know me, but I do deep dives into everybody's platform on my website, like sure. use the platform and show it. KV Core, uh, which you guys used to use before you got command and, and just uh, Boomtown and Sync and just all the, the big platforms. So I go deep down. I haven't been able to do that online yet with command, but I have seen it. And so I will say that I, in terms of the tools that are being provided by an actual brokerage, it does, it is somewhat out ahead of everything else that I've seen. I haven't seen anything similar coming out of Compass or any of the other big name brokerages. Uh, Keller Williams, not to my surprise, is the only brokerage that I know of for certain has invested the kind of time and resources that you're, you're alluding to. Well, yeah, they all, every, everybody else has thrown in the towel. They've all yeah. gone to, they've mm-hmm. all gone to contract uh, technology. We're, we're the last one that has our own technology. We, I don't say that every piece of technology is our own. I mean, what we've done though, I think it was brilliant. And this was the pivot we made a couple of years ago with command. Instead of trying to be the all inclusive, now we, now we partner and we utilize all the best, you know, all the best partnerships with, you know, companies like Sync and Boomtown. And, you know, now that's integrated and command is like the, you know, central command center with all these, you know, companies that are very good in their niches. And we're marrying those niches into the central hub of command and then using the cloud and AI to help, you know, to help come come out with, you know, better marketing strategies, better customer service follow-up, you know, better anticipation of what makes a house sell or how you can buy a house better. You know, all these kinds of things are what, you know, the AI function of command is eventually uh, going to, you know, give many really good insights to the agents. And with our consumer platform, the consumers are going to benefit from that also. And, you know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to be the only place you go, but we do want to be the place. If you do go, you want to stay, you know, there uh, we see, we see, you know, we provide this, we provide this platform to our agents for, you know, like a nominal fee every month. And uh, it's, it's very, very powerful. So we're again, you know, think of Costco <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, not everybody wants to shop at Costco, right? I mean, that's, that's not, that's, they're not the end all be all, but I, I think you could say, you know, Costco's the number one distributor of, you know, blueberries and strawberries and bananas in the world. And, uh, you know, that's because they provide a great value and there are many other things Costco's famous for. So I think, and Gary's all, Gary Keller's always had the strategy of bringing the most value he can at the lowest possible price that he can, but he won't sacrifice value. He won't sacrifice quality. But what he, what he, in, in, in many cases, he, he will sacrifice his own profit. And, um, you know, if, 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 if real estate agents out there knew Gary, like I know Gary, mm-hmm. I think, man, I think it'd be game over. He's one of those guys, like the guy you were talking about who you met that was, one of the wisest guys in the in the developing world. Yeah, that's exactly my feeling around Gary. Yeah, well, I've listened. One of the wisest guys I've ever met. So, yeah, I've listened to his red book three times, and I still I forgot where he, when he published that, but I still feel it has 
a great deal of value and relevance even in 2022. About well, yeah, the basic- the, yeah, the strategies are the same. The tactics are different. You know, he, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't, you no longer pop a cassette tape in and listen to it, right? You know, right. The, the, you know, the, the tactics are now different, but the strategies have not changed. It's, it's, you know, staying connected with your clients. It's, it's working your haven't mets. Right, turning them into Mets, turning them into advocates—that is, that is a that is a strategy that will be, you know, forever and ever. And what where Keller Williams is starting to shine now is in in a in a higher level way is the execution of those things, because it's one thing to have the theory, the strategy, but it's another thing to have the tools and the expertise and the intelligence to execute and the discipline to execute. Um, you know, we've got we've got so many programs that we can just plug and play with our agents now that so they don't have to, you know, they've been vetted. They know that we know it works. Uh, we know they're not going to waste a bunch of money because there's so many programs out there. Um, you know, we like to you know, we'd like to kind of be like the place you go where you know that everything on the shelf is really quality. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, I got to say, uh, I have had the the incredibly good fortune of meeting a couple of people that that are close to Gary and you are similar in all of them to that you seem uh, I'd, I'd follow you into battle man like so uh, the the and I've seen that drip down from Gary to his people I've seen Gary speak I've been to Keller Williams reunions but you know how those sticks he's got 10,000 people trying to yeah. come up and say hi to him so I've never I've never met the man. I've seen the man. I've seen him speak. I've listened to his stuff. I've watched him on video. Same thing as John, but I've never met him. Yeah. But I have met a couple of people like you who have been close to him, and they all say the same thing. Every single person says yeah. the same thing, which is yeah. a one-of-a-kind leader, a yeah. one-of-a-kind thinker, and he yeah. values his people mm-hmm. like like almost nobody does inside the real estate space. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And I think, I think, uh, you know, show or podcasts or shows like yours that help, you know, get the word out are are fantastic. And I appreciate the opportunity to be part of it today. I enjoy you guys a lot and thanks for such giving me such great questions and giving me a little bit of a platform to pontificate a little bit, but I hope that you know, I hope it didn't come across that way, but. Oh no, uh, not at all, Scott. You must come back. Hopefully you will come back in the new year because you've been a great guest. I'm well, sure Robert agrees. Yeah. Well, uh, that'd be nice. A lot, of, a lot of fun. John, John will tell you. I, 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 I do. Never mind. I do these <laughs> things for the for these moments where somebody like lights my fire and uh, gets me gets me re-excited and you've done that but um let's uh let's wrap the show up gentlemen so john if people would uh we skipped this part a little bit earlier i'm going to circle back around to you scott but john if somebody would like to reach out to you or ask you any questions ask you your feelings on this particular show how would they do how would they do any of that yeah please please leave us a review on itunes or give us email Robert or myself it's always great to hear from the listeners and viewers of this show if there's any 
any topics or anybody that you specifically want us to interview, just suggest it. Both me and Robert would love that. And if you're interested in Mel writing a chat with me or my co-founder, Adam, just go over to Mel-Write and you can book a demo and a ch- or a chat with me and we'd be more than happy to help you. Over to you, Rob. Actually, uh, one more time, Scott, for how you'd like people to reach out to you should they want to conversate with you about your book about maybe just about Keller Williams. I don't know. Sure. You can, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on all those places. Just Scott Agnew, uh, you know, realtor or Scott Agnew, KW, whatever. But if you want to email me directly, it's Scott a at KW.com. And I check my email, you know, 15 times a day. So I'll get back to you. I promise. And, uh, send you a link to the book, a direct link. If you want to do it that way. I'm on Amazon, uh, long-term leader, Scott Agnew on Amazon, uh, or you can go on longtermleader.com. There's a lot of ways you can access the book. Um, it's a fantastic read. I, you know, I would, I would hope that, you know, one of the, there was a book I read many, many years ago that I just kind of keep beside my desk and refer to it, even though I've got, I think I've got it memorized. <laughs> and uh, it's a book called The Four Agreements. And it's a very, very simple read. But uh, whenever I'm communicating or whenever I'm getting it and whenever I'm in a leadership challenge or the heat of the moment, I think back to that book and I think back of how it helps me stay in this cool spot, this okay place, because leaders have a lot of pressure on them. They get they get pent up and, you know, they have financial issues. They have cash flow issues. They might make tons of money, but they might have cash flow issues. They might have, you know, people issues. They might have vendor issues. They might have technology issues. You know, they get hit with all these things. It's hard to stay happy and go lucky and easy going and stuff like that when you've got all these things, you know, shooting at you all the time. But uh, my book is a book that I think would help. I probably should have not called it long-term leader and called it how to keep your head on straight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because that's really what it is. <laughs> you know? All right. And if anybody would like to look me up, you can do so at inboundrem.com. My name is Robert Newman. If you're wondering how a long-haired, hippie-looking dude manages to get himself into conversations with notable real estate types like Scott Agnew, you can find out all of that on inboundrem.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We deeply appreciate your listening and viewership. And uh, we'll see you on the next show.